Good evening, I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. In 1889, Daniel Coit Gilman, president of the new Johns Hopkins University, found himself with a serious problem. Sixteen years earlier, visionary Baltimore merchant Johns Hopkins had planned an institution in his city that would revolutionize American education and international medicine. He foresaw a university, a hospital, and a medical school that would combine research, clinical care, and medical training all in one place. And at his death in 1873, he left $7 million in B&O railroad stock to make it possible. The university opened in 1876, but then the country entered a terrible depression. A few years later, John Work Garrett, who ran the B&O, died, and the road stock plummeted, taking the endowment with it. The hospital finally opened to great fanfare in May of 1889, but there was no money for a medical school. Gilman thought he would find the answer in a single rich man. Despite hard economic times, the country was full of them. Andrew Carnegie gave $100,000 to Bellevue Hospital Medical College in New York. A Vanderbilt donated half a million to New York's College of Physicians and Surgeons. Surely, Gilman thought, he could find another generous man among the titans of industry, some called them robber barons, to build his medical school, especially if he could name that school after himself. Gilman and his trustees scoured the country for such a man, but none came forward. As it happened, Gilman was looking in the wrong place. The answer was right under his nose in Baltimore, and she wasn't a rich man, but a very determined and very wealthy young woman. Mary Elizabeth Garrett, daughter of John Work Garrett, the B&O's iron-fisted railroad king himself, had a better head for business than either of her brothers, who'd been handed high places in Baltimore finance. She also had a personal axe to grind with Gilman. Her own education, the traditional course for wealthy young women, had been little more than fluff, and she greatly wanted to study at the new Johns Hopkins University when it opened. But college wasn't for women. It would imperil their delicate natures, or so men thought at the time. Gilman flatly refused. He had picked the wrong woman to cross. When her father died and left Mary a third of an estate so vast its value defied calculation, she set about writing things. With the help of four young wealthy friends, Julia Rogers, Mamie Gwynn, Bessie King, and M. Carey Thomas, she altered the future of education in Baltimore by building the Bryn Mawr School. Its purpose was to prepare young girls for the new women's college of the same name near Philadelphia, whose entrance requirements exceeded those of most men's colleges and medical schools, too, for that matter. When the question of the Hopkins Medical School endowment came up, Mary and her friends saw their chance. If they could raise the money to endow it, they could demand that women be admitted on the same terms as men. While Gilman searched for his white knight, Mary and her friends organized a quiet, intense campaign to come up with the money first. After five years, they had raised over $100,000 from women all across the country. Gilman reluctantly accepted their money and their condition of coeducation, but he then moved the finish line. Before it could open, the medical school now needed half a million dollars, he told them, five times what they had raised. Initially crestfallen, Mary rebounded with the resilience and drive her father had so admired. A few days before Christmas, 1892, with her own fortune rapidly disappearing in the economic swamp of the 1890s, Mary informed the hospital trustees that she would provide the rest of the money herself. On October 3, 1893, three women stood beside 15 men as Hopkins opened classes in the nation's first coeducational graduate-level medical school. At Mary Garrett's insistence, the women in Baltimore and across the country, who had done more to improve medical education than their wealthy male counterparts, were honored with construction of the Women's Fund Memorial Building. 
1979, it was torn down to make way for the Preclinical Sciences Building. But the spirit of Mary Elizabeth Garrett remains in the women who today teach and study at a world-renowned institution. Thank you.